0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 122 of How I Built It. Today, my guest is Brad Tenard, the founder and CEO of Delicious Brains Incorporated. I'm a big fan of Brad and his work. Uh, They do some fantastic stuff in the WordPress space. You probably best know them for their plugin, WP Migrate DB Pro, and Uh, incredible and invaluable tool if you are moving databases. I can't stress enough how much time that plugin in particular has saved me. Uh, Doing things the manual way uh, versus doing things with WP Migrate DB or WP Migrate DB Pro is just just so different. Uh, And we talk about a lot of things. Uh, We talked about Um, Spin Up WP, a relatively new project of theirs. We talked about uh, doing things on iOS. We talked about uh, projects that they launched that then didn't work out and, uh, you know, kind of why. Uh, We talked about a whole wide range of things from development to running businesses uh, to, to helpful tools to help you be the best that you can be. So let's get into all of that with my interview with Brad Tenard. Of course, first, here's a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Plesk. Do you spend too much time doing server admin work and not enough time building websites? Plesk helps you manage servers, websites, and customers in one dashboard, helping you do those tasks up to 10 times faster than manually coding everything. And let me tell you, I recently checked out their new and improved WordPress toolkit, and I was super impressed by how easy it was to spin up new WordPress sites, clone sites, and even manage multiple updates to themes and plugins. With the click of one button, I was able to update all of my WordPress sites. I was, again, incredibly impressed by how great their WordPress toolkit is. You can learn more and try Plesk for free At Plesk.com slash build. That's Plesk.com slash build. This episode is sponsored by our friends at Castos. Castos is a podcast hosting platform built specifically for WordPress. Their seriously simple podcasting plugin lets you manage all of your episodes and podcast RSS right from your WordPress site. But have your files hosted on a dedicated media hosting platform. If you use WordPress, this is by far the easiest platform that I have used for podcasting. I also really love how the Castos team takes a common sense approach to their pricing. You can create as many episodes and podcasts as you want, and you don't have to worry about how much storage you're using or bandwidth restrictions. And if you're like me and you already have a ton of episodes from an old host, they've got you covered. Castos will import all of your podcast content into their platform completely free of charge. It's literally one click of a button in your WordPress dashboard. I could not believe my eyes when I saw this in action. And it's stuff like this, which is why I built my own podcasting course on top of Castos. And they have put together a really special opportunity for the show today. You can get 50% off your first three months with the code BUILTIT19. That's builtit I-T19. Just head over to castos.com slash howibuiltit to learn more. That's castos.com slash howibuiltit. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that today? My guest is Brad Tanar, the founder and CEO of Delicious Brains, uh, and Spin Up WP. Brad, how are you today? I'm
1: great, Joe. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. I'm glad you're feeling better. I know we had to cancel last week as we record this, of course. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that you've gotten rid of whatever it is you had.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's. I've actually been struggling with my health for the last few months. And I think I figured out that I added something to my diet a few months ago.
0: Mm.
1: and And that's what it is. But it's It's something, like, I'm gluten-free, and uh, so gluten will, like, make me sick, Yeah, that that kind of thing. I'm not doing it because it's uh, trendy or anything.
0: (laughs) Right, right, right.
1: (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was eating something that says it's gluten-free, but there's something else in it that must be bugging me, because, yeah. So... So, yeah, I've been dealing with that for the last three months and finally figured it out, I think. So, at least hopefully.
0: (laughs) Yeah, good. Well, I I hope that you got into the bottom of it. I always worry about that, Uh, like eating something, like something in my diet changing and then it making me feel terrible.
1: Yeah. You you know, you think software is complicated, but then, you know. Your own body is actually a lot more complicated than that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Like we can, you know, we've created software, we can understand software, but, uh, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, right? Specifically about your new product, Spin Up WP. Yes. Cool. So why don't we start with um, who you are and what you do?
1: Yeah. So I am the, I guess, founder and CEO of Delicious Brains, Inc. Uh, We have a couple of WordPress plugins. Uh, WP MigrateDB Pro, and WP Offload S3, or sorry, WP Offload Media now, uh, because we rebranded it uh, just a couple months ago. Because we're going after, um, it used to be a plugin just for offloading your media library, your WordPress media library, to Amazon S3, but now we support DigitalOcean Spaces, and we're going to support... What's it called uh, Google Google Cloud Storage. Mm, nice. uh, saw you know all the object pro, uh, storage providers. So so those are our two main products, and then I've got I've got a team of eight uh, behind me as well, and uh, we're a fully remote team. Uh, there's four guys in the UK. There's two in Pennsylvania uh, and two in Ontario. And I myself, I'm in Nova Scotia, so nice. Yeah, and uh, our new newest product is called Spin up WP, and it's currently in beta, and it allows you to uh, spin up a server that's fully optimized for WordPress for hosting WordPress uh, in just you know ten minutes or so. It's uh, you know it'll it'll set up all the server software. And configure it so that you can start adding sites to it after ten minutes. Um, so it's it's something that normally would take a few hours if you're doing it manually, just logging into you know the CLI and running commands.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, we have a the reason it came about too is we have a, a series of blog posts that uh, one of our team uh, uh, wrote for our blog. And they do really well. They, we get a lot of traffic to those blog posts, and so that's one of the reasons why we uh, thought of this idea that, that this would be a good idea for us. So
0: nice, yeah. I uh, I'm a big fan of your blog. I I subscribe to your newsletter, and it's one of the few newsletters where I actually read what comes to my inbox. Um, so so this is really cool. And I I kid you not, I just struggled with this sort of thing like recent, like last week. So, um. You're you're definitely solving a problem that needs solving, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, have you
1: have you used um, some of the the other? So SpinUpWP is very similar to Laravel Forge, mm-hmm. and um, Server Pilot is another one. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't really cater to WordPress. I mean, Laravel Forge is specifically designed for Laravel, right? right? Right. And server pilot has traditionally just been for PHP apps in general. Um, although they've made some moves, kind of in the last little while, to be more WordPress, okay. uh, to do more for WordPress. Um, but have you you ever used either of those uh, services?
0: No, I haven't. So I've used like the local ones, like you know VVV, to kind of do it locally. But right, I mean, I just set up a like a Linode server because I'm trying to go to the iPad-only lifestyle. And <laughs> if I want to develop on the iPad, I need to connect to a VPS. And so, you know, I went through the rigmarole on Linode of installing Ubuntu and uh, installing Apache and then getting WordPress just, like, j- just there. But, like, <laughs> without any of the bells and whistles that I normally like to have in, in WordPress. So, uh, and no WPCLI, like, I didn't install that either. So, um, so it's. It's cool. Um, this this product seems like it would have saved me, you know, like a couple of hours while I was sitting in the Starbucks trying to get this to work. Uh, mm. I was high fiving myself in the Starbucks, like running Unix commands from my iPad. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: <laughs> nice. Is it? Where did you get this idea for for running everything off all an iPad? Where Where does this come from?
0: So uh, I listened to a couple of podcasts, well, which I'll be sure to link in the show notes. Um, but but the main one is connected uh, from Relay FM. Uh, those listening to season six, you might have heard Mike Hurley. Uh, he kicked off this season. Um, uh, he's the founder, but he's pretty much an iPad only in the iPad only lifestyle. His co-host Freder- Federico Vitici also iPad only, and I say only, but like only is a little bit of quotes because they still do. Their podcast recording and editing, like on their Mac Minis, um, so I'm trying to go iPad only when I'm traveling. Pretty much, like I want my iPad to replace my MacBook, and then right. I'll have the iMac Pro to do the video editing and podcast editing.
1: Right, is um I think Curtis McHale has some blog posts about that as well. I think I yes. saw he posted about it.
0: Yes, I uh I I used his uh his recommendations for development specifically as a starting point. I know he used DigitalOcean. Linode was running a promo when I got them. So I got like four months free or something like that, but um, it it was basically like all of the apps that he recommended. Mm -hmm. So cool. So, um, so I, I really like this idea. You mentioned that, uh, um, you were blogging about this and this was essentially how you realized this would be a good, uh, like a good product for you guys to develop. Can you talk about that a little bit? Cause I've had guests on the show, like Justin Ferriman, talk about how he blogged about an LMS for WordPress, like for two years before he built LearnDash. So uh, right. was that kind of like your market research?
1: <clears throat> Definitely helps. It's a really good way to plant that first seed to see, um, you know what's the uptake? How much traffic does that does that article get from, from Google? Right. Um, so we weren't when when we published that those series uh, of blog posts we weren't we weren't expecting anything. Right. We were just we you know we have this blog. Uh, what is it called? The treadmill. <laughs> the content mm-hmm. the creation treadmill where we we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're committed to posting every week. And so our team actually the biggest problem one of the biggest problems our team has is coming up with ideas for the blog, uh, what to write next, um, and so so this was just one of those you know those instances right, um, but it turned into a series and then the series grew to I think eight I think we're up to eight articles now um, and they're pretty lengthy, and so it it takes you through. Um, You know, starting at your Linode, like or your DigitalOcean droplet, or whatever it is, like firing that up and installing step by step all of the software you need to host WordPress uh, efficiently Um, and at at pretty high scale. Actually, we've we've done um, some benchmarking, so we we have posts that benchmark how much traffic. Just a a small, you know. VM can handle. And it's it's remarkable actually how much traffic a cached WordPress site can handle. Um if if you heavily cache uh a WordPress site, I mean you're really just serving static uh pages at that point, right? And so Nginx can handle that like like without breaking a sweat, right? Yeah. So it can handle, yeah. We've we've gotten um We've gotten our posts to the top of Hacker News before and stuff, and it's never—it's our web servers have been fine with that. Uh, the problem would be if you're someone like Ticketmaster or something, mm. where you have to have the dynamic parts of your website right. serving like a massive like influx of traffic, then things get a lot more complicated. But for like ninety-nine percent of websites out there, right? Right. Uh, hosting it on a VM, uh even like a two gigabyte of memory VM with one CPU core, that's gonna be plenty for even if you end up on hacker news by chance, you
0: know? Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's I mean that's very a very good insight because I think a lot of people do worry about um performance. But uh first of all, if you're if you're getting the kind of traffic that Ticketmaster is getting for your dynamic site. Presumably you're making a ton of money, right? So you can
1: <laughs> I would hope so.
0: Yeah, right? Um, second, <laughs> it seems like Ticketmaster hasn't even solved that problem well. So maybe that's just a tough nut to crack. Um,
1: it is. It yeah. is a very tough nut to crack. I think optimizing, it's still difficult to optimize database rights,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Right, the, yeah. The only way to do that that I know of effectively is called database sharding, which I've actually never done. I've only ever looked into, but never actually done it. Um, But the basic concept is when when you need to write to the database, depending on the data that's being written, it goes to this database server or a different database server or another database server. And so the writes actually gets kind of filtered off into different database servers. And there's a whole bunch of complexity that goes with that, though, as well. So,
0: right, um, yeah, yeah. But, w-
1: once once you require that, I mean, you need a team. You need a DevOps team to right. manage that, and you know, so
0: yeah, most people yeah. are
1: never going to get to that stage with their website, right?
0: So yeah, right. And just to, to to maybe give a good analogy of what database sharding might be, it's almost like uh, if I have. Well, my daughter's big into these YouTube videos now where people are just like sorting like candy into the same color buckets. Uh, So it's almost like that, right? You have a red bucket and a green bucket and a blue bucket. And you're not just going to like dump a whole bag of M&Ms into the red bucket. It'll be hard to find the right color. So you want to put the red M&Ms in the red bucket and the blue M&Ms in the blue bucket.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That's a great analogy. Cool. Well, thank you. Um, That brought to you by my two-year-old watching YouTube. Um, (laughs) so, uh, so that's really cool. So uh, this very popular blog series that I'm going to link to in the show notes as well, this is going to be a, uh, show notes, rich episode. Um, what else did you do to kind of, as you set out to develop, uh, spin up WP, you know, what did that, what did that look like? Does that, I guess you have a big audience already, especially because of WP migrate DB pro is this basically the same audience you're talking to or did you set out to build a whole other audience that you wanted to market to?
1: Yeah, we we definitely leveraged that audience. But actually, the first, uh, well, first, just to go back to um, the kind of the genesis of this project, it, it was kind of an idea that we had kicking around. Uh, the, the the member of our team, Ashley, who wrote these, um, these, these articles for our blog, he actually had the idea of, making basically spin up WP and he had actually built a prototype of it, but just, just kind of abandoned it at Mm -hmm. a certain point. And um, it wasn't until our retreat about a year and a half ago, we were kind of in the car on the way to the airport after kind of at the end of the, the trip. And, some of the guys were just talking about like, oh man, I wish there was like this WordPress version of you know, Laravel of Forge. It's just, you know, Forge is great, great and all, but it's, you know, it just doesn't go that extra mile for WordPress. And, you know, several other guys in the car were agreeing with this. And I'm like, this is like, this is like an idea. If you guys all need this and want this, then, I mean, you are the audience. You guys are developers, right. <laughs> you know? So... So then the more we thought about it, the more it made sense to do this. We have these articles that are bringing in customers from Google and, you know, there's our marketing problem, you know, half solved. Right. So um, so then the next step was to kind of get outside the company and talk to uh, potential customers. And so what I ended up doing is scraping the um, contacts off of the comments um, from our blog posts, so those are all people that were interested in uh, building their own servers using our tutorial. So you know they should be pretty interested in yeah. this product, right? So so uh, we did a survey and sent it out to those people, and I think maybe some other folks from our audience. I can't remember if we we took a subset of our audience and maybe sent them the survey as well. But anyway, we got you know a good number of survey responses and very very good uh, positive feedback that this was a viable project to pursue, um, and uh, we launched our beta. When was it? Probably three weeks ago now, and we've had really great uptake, um, and uh, yeah, we we're we're actually. Um, Accepting signups, so we're we're in like a paid period right now. We're it's not like a a free beta. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: So that's saying a lot that we've had like actual people coming in the door, paying us, and are still using the software. They're not churning out, you know. So yeah. So uh, pretty happy with where we're at at this stage. Um. Yeah. So things are good.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pantheon. Starting a new project? Looking for a better hosting platform? Pantheon is an integrated set of tools to build, launch, and run websites. Get high-performance hosting for your WordPress sites, plus a comprehensive toolkit to supercharge your team and help you launch faster. On Pantheon, you get expert support from real developers, best-in-class security, and the most innovative technology to host and manage your websites. You can sign up a new site in minutes with a free account you only pay when it goes live. That is my second favorite feature to Pantheon, only to the easy ability to create dev staging and live servers and push to GitHub. It's very easy to set those things up on Pantheon. So you can head over to Pantheon.io today again to set up a free account. Pay only when it goes live. Thanks so much to Pantheon for their support of this episode and this season of How I Built It. I like that. Kind of the takeaway here is that you blogged about this thing you need. You also have a team of people who, uh, for all intents and purposes, are dog fooding your own product, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then you worked with part of your own audience. I think people have a hard time, myself included, uh, leveraging or building an audience to leverage. So um, I, I mm-hmm. really liked. Kind of the things that you said there, um, scraping the contact info from the comments. I like that a lot. People are commenting on these uh, tutorial-style posts, probably asking questions, trying to do stuff. Uh, you're telling them how to do it. They have problems with it, and then you're like, "I have a solution to your problem." And that's very uh, like online course esque, right? Where right,
1: exactly. You, yeah.
0: you teach an online course, and then you say, "Hey, I just taught you how to do it, but if you just want me to do it for you, like you can pay me to do it for you too." Yeah,
1: exactly. So. Exactly. Cool. Uh,
0: so let's get to the title question, which is, how did you build it? And I'm uh, particularly interested uh, about this from uh, the standpoint of you're building a tool that is designed to work with all sorts of uh, VPSs, right? Um, so it's it's not like this is a thing that can just sit on top of Linode or just sit off on top of DigitalOcean. Um, so what did the compatibility look like? What did the development stack look like? You can get like super nerdy here. Um mm-hmm. was like super develop a developer. Yeah, I would love to hear that.
1: Yeah. I, I I can't get too technical anymore. I mean I'm still a developer. <laughs> I can still write code, but the, the the reality is that I'm not, right? It's my my team that's writing the code nowadays. Um, and I'm just I guess making sure that everything stays on track and the trains <laughs> run on time, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but yeah, we, we built it using, uh, Laravel. So that was, uh, the framework we're using. So we're still on PHP. Um, hmm. we, I think we, we started working with Google cloud, um, cause a, pr- a previous product we built that we ended up shutting down, uh, that was built on AWS and okay. used auto scaling and uh, elastic beanstalk and all that business. And, uh, our team was not big fans of that <laughs> of that uh, tech stack um, it was it was cumbersome to use and just just kind of janky is is the way they described it um, and so we decided to use uh, Google instead to see if their stack was any better and although it seemed a little bit better it still wasn't <laughs> it wasn't what we were expecting <laughs> we 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 felt it was a bit cumbersome to use. And the other thing is that our app, we don't think uh, we need auto-scaling. Uh, we probably won't need it for a really long time, if ever. So uh, we decided just to go with good old DigitalOcean droplets. And so we we have uh, just one droplet running our app server, and then we have uh, multiple worker servers to actually perform the tasks that are being requested from the app. So, for example, if you want to create a new site on your server, that gets queued to a worker server, and then the worker server does the SSHing into uh, your server and uh, actually performs the tasks that need to be performed. And then you get a nice. The app still shows like a nice printout display of the the commands getting executed and, and all that stuff. Cool. So.
0: So, yeah. just, to, just to back up for a minute there, um, this is not like a thing that I download and install on like some uh, fresh version of Ubuntu. This is all run, this is a SaaS, right? Like a, yep. I log in and I say, I want to spin up a WordPress server here.
1: You got it. Yeah. It's wow. a SaaS app. So, you just sign up online and plug in your DigitalOcean key. So, okay. you go to DigitalOcean, create a new API key, plug it in. And then you can choose what size droplet you want from our UI. Um, the alternative to that, so right now, just in beta period, we just support that one provider at mm-hmm. the moment. Uh, but we actually support every provider because we have a second option, which is custom server. So if it has an IP address and yep. it's got a fresh Ubuntu eighteen install on it, and you know, then you, it'll work with spin-up WP. Perfect. Um, so. Yeah, as long as we can get to it and it's running the software we expect, it'll it should work. Um, that includes uh, like a local VM. Like if you have a local VM uh, with an IP address, you could potentially point it at spin up, point spin up to be at it, and should be good to go.
0: Yeah, I was Although, I was just gonna say it sounds like it could work for that, right?
1: Yeah. I've never tried it. We haven't tried it yet, <laughs> but I can't imagine why it wouldn't work. I mean, like I said, if, if it has an IP address and we can connect to it, it should work.
0: Yeah. So. Well, uh, those listening now, uh, I presume by the time this comes out, somebody will have tried it. But if somebody hasn't, you can be the intrepid user who gives it a go. That's right. Cool. Yeah. And
1: if you do, please let us know about that. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear about it. Because uh, it's always interesting to hear um, from people who are using your your product in atypical ways. It, 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 you always get that from people. Like you know, you have this vision of like how the majority of your customers are going to use your product, right? And you're, so you're building for that. And then every once in a while, a customer comes along who's like using it some for some crazy setup, and you're just like, oh wow, yeah, that's something I could never have imagined. <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can. uh, And, you know, I've, I've developed some software in the past, but nothing commercially really. But even when I first launched my online courses, I got like two pieces of feedback. One was that you need PayPal like this. I was like, I'll just do Stripe because it's easier. But people love having PayPal as an option. And the other was like, somebody said, Hey, how come I have to take your course in order? And I'm like, why would you want to take my course out of order? Like, aren't you trying to learn something? But they just wanted to learn some specific aspect of of Beaver Builder. Uh, and so I was like, oh, I, apparently that's a common use case. So it's just very interesting. It is. You're like you said, it's very interesting to hear stuff like that.
1: Yeah. PayPal. <clears throat> PayPal's funny because uh, it's it's a love-hate relationship. It's, you know, people love it because they feel secure using it and there's all kinds of reasons why they love it and then everyone who accepts paypal (laughs) hates it yeah yep (laughs) the other end yeah Um, absolutely same with credit cards i guess too though really like (laughs) people who who use them love them but the people who have to take them and and get dinged all the fees uh not not such a big fan. I tried because I know that because I'm a business person, I try to use debit whenever I go out to eat or or whatever cuz I know that the local businesses are getting dinged every time, right?
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good Most point.
1: Pe- Most people don't know that though. Most people do have no idea that their credit card is actually charging the person that they're using it with, you know, 2 to 2 to 3%. Um, of the bill, and they have no idea right right <laughs> so it 's like this dirty little secret the credit card companies have that somehow has remained outside the public sphere
0: <laughs> yeah, that 's so funny, like uh, I never thought that people don't know that, but they must right and and you know, credit card companies make money come and go, and they make money off people who can 't pay their credit card on time, and then they make money off the people who are using the credit card to to make money.
1: Oh yeah, Ooh, they, man! They, make, they a, make money every which way. <laughs> yeah,
0: what a racket. Um, with with PayPal, I thought it was interesting to hear that there are a lot of freelancers who just kind of use PayPal as like fun money or like funny money, mm-hmm. like not real. It's not yeah. real to them. Um, right. And I thought that was really interesting because that's not how I manage my money at all. As soon as I get, as soon as I have money in PayPal that is outside my refund window, it is in my accounts. And I use my American Express card to pay for all of mm. my business expenses. Uh, right. Just, I don't know, the, to each their own. But I that was right. also a weird use case to me. Right. So, Are you going to
1: WordCamp Europe in June?
0: Uh, I am. Well, at this moment, I'm not, uh, as right. we record this. But it's... it's oh, sorry.
1: I put you on the spot there.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, no problem. Uh, that is it. It's in Germany this year?
1: Yes. So the reason I brought it up is because yeah. it's very apropos. So apparently I've been told I've never been to Germany yet, but but we were going to be doing our company retreat in Berlin mm. uh, before we camp Europe. Um so uh apparently Germans a lot of German business do not accept credit card. So you have to go there with cash. You you really do. Wow. Um is is what I've been told. Um but i have it under good authority that that's true. So, and yeah. and i think that is one of the main reasons is that the german uh businesses are just they just don't accept the fees that the credit card companies uh require. So,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, you know, i can understand it. I i try to consider a cost of goods sold. I want to make it easy for anybody to give me money, but exactly. I totally understand yeah. it. Um and uh, I guess if I if I do end up going, it's like right around my anniversary, so maybe I can convince my wife that it'll be like an anniversary trip for us. Uh, there
1: you go. You know, oh, that's great. That's a great idea,
0: right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. but uh, I try to I try to work the fee into cost of goods sold. But I am Italian, and so I always have cash on me anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a New York Italian stereotype, at least. So, is um, that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. So, well, we are, man, we're coming up on time. We've covered a lot of ground. Um, and I'm curious to hear, this is a, this is a new product. Um, so we've kind of talked about launch and stuff like that. But what are your plans for the future? You know, as we record this, you're still pretty much in beta, but it seems to be going really well. Um, do you have a, a roadmap of sorts?
1: We do, actually, yeah. So uh, we're still in beta, and we'll probably be in beta for another couple months at least. Um, and the main reason for that is we've, we've got a couple uh, additional features we want to build before we officially launch to you know, our greater, or wider audience. Um, so those features are teams, support for teams currently Uh, You can sign up and you have your own personal account, but you can't invite anybody to collaborate with you on servers and and share access to servers or anything like that. That's an important feature that we're going to add. Backups, (laughs) even more important. (laughs) We currently, uh, I mean, you could always set up something yourself, but we just don't have any backup uh, feature built into the platform yet. So that's something we want to have for launch before we actually make a big push to let everyone know about the product. Uh, And then the the other thing that happened was when we launched the beta, we actually discovered something that was completely in our blind spot that we did not anticipate at all. Um, And that is uh, having multiple uh, SFTP users per server is actually very important to people is what we've we've uh, discovered so uh, which it seems so obvious now in retrospect <laughs> because you can imagine someone a freelancer or an agency uh, using our our platform to host their clients' sites and they would want their clients to be able to SFTP to the server and upload files or or what have you and so uh, that's obviously something they that we should provide um but we we just uh, we just completely blanked on that. Um, I think maybe it was because we were looking at Forge and how Forge had things set up, mm-hmm. and they don't. They, Forge doesn't have that. They don't have multiple users where you can, uh, you know, log into each site and upload files to each site. They're really set up for one app per server. Okay. Uh, situation, uh, but Server Pilot is more set up that way. They're Got set up for multiple... I think they do... For each site that you install, they ins, they uh, create a new user on the system, and that user has SFTP access, and they can upload files to each site uh, is the way they, they, that they do it. So um, a lot of the customers that were on Server Pilot that uh, were on our interest list, they mm-hmm. immediately noticed that we didn't have that feature, and so... We're in the process of of building that at the moment, um, so we're really glad we did the beta. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> it's it's the perfect time. It's a pretty major change to our architecture to be able to support that. So um, it's good to be able to do that during a beta instead of after launching to people. Uh, so so once we get those three things out of the way, that's it's launch time. So probably uh, you know in the first definitely the first half of next year, hopefully the first quarter of next year. We'll nice. Be, we'll be nice. trumpeting.
0: Cool. Well, I, that that sounds great. Um, the idea of doing a beta program is is, it sounds like it's paying dividends for you. I think people wonder, you know, like why not just launch or whatever? And I think you have a very good use case for why not, why do a beta program? Especially because I think, people who are doing the betas are probably going to be a little bit more vocal than the run of the mill user, right? There are people who are more willing to give feedback and saying it's a beta kind of puts that up front. Like, Hey, this is a work in progress. uh, And you know, we're going to take care of you as our beta users or whatever. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. We kind of mix the two paradigms of, of, you know, so there's, there's the free beta. A lot of people do that. They tend to just have free beta but then you don't really get to test whether or not people are willing to pay for your right. solution. So what we did is we just did a deep discount. So your first three months, uh, you get half half price for three months. So your first three months, half price, if you sign up for our beta. Um, and then and then we go from there. So like, at least then we know people are willing to trade dollars for this solution and that it's not um, just... You know, a bunch of (laughs) freeloaders getting on board. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely. I mean, it also, if someone's paying for it, they're more likely to use it too. You know, like I've signed up for betas that were free and then never used it because I wasn't committed. So
1: Yeah, exactly. A previous product we launched, we did a free beta um, and that's what we ended up with. We just had a bunch of people on it uh, silently and just not giving any feedback. So... This, that's a good point. That's another reason why we chose to do a paid beta this time.
0: Cool. well that's that's a great piece of advice for anybody who's looking to uh, launch a product do a do a paid beta if you can. you know I mean it's all obviously everything in development as it depends but um, if you're if you're weighing free versus paid, I think we have a few good pros for for paid. Um, mm-hmm. As we wrap up here, I do want to ask you my favorite question, which is do you have any trade secrets for us?
1: Uh, trade secrets I keep going back to um, mailing lists because I think they're so undervalued um, just starting a mailing list so well first of all you need to provide something of value to start your mailing list. So in our case for example we did the tutorial to set up a to host WordPress yourself right So we had those articles and then you know as you got down to the towards the bottom it would pop up and say, hey, are you interested in more articles like this or whatever, right? So you have to provide something useful. So write an article that does really well, but then capture email addresses. You have to build that email list, and then you can launch something. Uh, I mean, I am guilty of building hobby projects in the past just because I love to build them, right? Mm -hmm. And that's fine. But once you get serious about wanting to start a business... You have to build an audience before you build the product because there is no point of having a product and then hoping that people are just going to show up because they won't, of course.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's excellent advice. That's the advice that I would give like two years ago me as I was mm-hmm. launching my online courses because I was just right. like, I'll just build it, people. It's a $50 course. People will buy it. Nobody will buy it. Like nobody trusts me and I don't have anybody to market to. So, um, yeah, yeah. two years ago, me would take that advice in a heartbeat. (laughs)
1: And, and, um, as an exercise, just think about all the businesses locally that you visit and stuff and imagine if they had an email list and how that might affect your, um, purchasing decisions with them in the future, right? So like if, if it's a pizza place, maybe you'd order pizza more often if every week you got an email that said, hey, you know, 12-inch pizzas are on sale this week or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's so much emphasis, uh, especially local businesses, I find, to focus on social media and they just ignore email entirely. But there's so much noise on social media that no one's really paying attention. So the opportunity lies in email. That's that's where people are paying attention, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, imagine like trying to have a conversation with the baseball stadium versus like the people yeah. like in, like next to you on the train going to the baseball stadium or something like that. Like Yeah. Like exactly. there's just so much going on whereas if you're sitting next to somebody on the train, you have a better connection. Uh, I I I love that. Um Cool. Well, Brad, I really appreciate you taking the time. Where can people find you?
1: I'm on the Twitters at Brad T. Uh, Deliciousbrains.com is our website. Um, And I blog there occasionally. Um, And that's about it nowadays.
0: Awesome. Well, I will link that and everything else we talked about today in the show notes. Like I said, this is going to be a very show notes-rich Uh, Episode, So be sure to head over to howibuilt.it to get those. Uh, Brad, thanks again so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Joe. My pleasure.
0: Thanks so much to Brad for joining me today. I loved his trade secret about mailing lists. It's something that I have been hearing since the very first few episodes of this podcast. Your mailing list is invaluable. And I have found that to be true. I have uh, put some really great advice into motion lately with my mailing list, and I have seen it grow considerably. As I start to launch more of my own courses, I'm going to see exactly if this strategy pays off, but I am confident it will because I'm reaching the right people. Uh, So uh, my question of the week for you is, What are you doing with your mailing list? Do you have one? Do you need to build it better? What's your strategy? Let me know by emailing me, joe at casabona.org or via Twitter at jcasabona. I want to thank my sponsors for today, Castos, Plesk, and Pantheon. Their support means the world to me, and I deeply appreciate it. If you liked this episode, be sure to give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It truly helps people discover us. And I feel as we're reaching the end of season six here, that the show has grown considerably. Thanks in part to you, the listeners, uh, giving ratings and reviews and sharing the episodes that you really like. So I deeply, deeply appreciate that. Uh, So... With that, we'll end the normal episode and we'll continue talking about how I'm building out my podcast course. And over the last two episodes, I talked about building the course itself. And in the next two episodes, I want to talk about building the tech stack. So I went through a couple of iterations of the tech stack, right? So uh, the my, my course site uh, started off as WPinOneMonth.com, and I intended to do actual in-person courses, in, in, in-person workshops. And I was living in Scranton, Pennsylvania at the time. I didn't have access to a big community of people, and I certainly didn't have the reach that I had online. And so uh, that model didn't work out for me. But as a result, that, the first iteration of my online teaching website was really an events manager. Uh, and then as I decided to move more towards online courses, I looked at a few different tools like Sensei, which is an LMS that sits on top of WooCommerce. And I thought that would be a good route because I wanted to use WooCommerce. And I figured, why not have something that tightly integrates with WooCommerce. Um, But as I started to use Sensei, and this was a a few years ago now, I realized that it didn't do a lot of the things I wanted it to do. And that's when Justin Fairman from LearnDash reached out. So for the LMS, I'm using LearnDash and I'm a big fan of that. Uh, It does everything I needed to do and more, and it integrates with a whole bunch of other tools. And in the next episode, I'll talk more about the uh, e commerce side of things, but I, I am still using WooCommerce for a number of reasons. But the high level overview of the tech stack of creatorcourses.com now is Learn WooCommerce for e commerce, Affiliate WP for the affiliate program, uh, and BB Press for the forums to, to build that community aspect. Um, and the theme is Academy Pro. So I will link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, a place where I kind of list out all these tools, but that's the general tech stack and people buy the courses through WooCommerce. They automatically get registered when they're registered. I use an extension of LearnDash called LD notifications to automatically email them Uh, inside of LearnDash. I build out each course. Each course has lessons and topics and I try to keep the courses, like I said in an earlier episode, Uh, pretty focused. I try to keep them, you know, around an hour and a half or two hours uh, if I can. But LearnDash really helps me with that. And every course has a video component and the videos are hosted by Vimeo. So uh, Vimeo Pro specifically, because I can lock down the videos to a specific URL. uh, So they can only be embedded in specific places, which is really nice. That's very important to me. So that's the general tech stack of creator courses. Now, in the next episode, I'll talk specifically about WooCommerce and everything that WooCommerce has to offer me and why I'm using it. But LearnDash, WooCommerce, BB Press, and Affiliate WP, and then Academy Pro by Studio Press for the theme. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and build something.